Of Keyfield. Pods in the spring of Keyfield. Sp- Sprods in the Key of Mingfield. Okay, good. We got that. <laughs> That's what the podcast is. That's Springs what it's in- always been. Springs in the pod of Keyfield. Yep. It's Pods in the Key of Springfield. I don't, think we, I don't think we need to do the genuine name. <laughs> oh, if I- someone's got this far. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's like a Sprogs in the in the Sea of uh, Gleefield out there. And it's a Glee-focused podcast and somebody's listening to that. Regularly and then getting confused with us. I don't Sprockets know. Sprockets in the key of Gleefield. It's a it's a Jetsons Glee crossover. Very good. Uh, yeah. Today we are looking at. Um, hello, everyone. By the way, That's today Nick, I'm James. Oh yeah. Yeah we have yeah yeah that we're thing... not famous. We need to say who we are. That thing that we do about once every eight episodes. <laughs> um, today we are looking at season three, episode twenty. Colonel Homer, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I believe you'll find it's Colonial Homer. Colonial Homer. Yes. Right. That's what I thought it was as a child, at least. Well, the, well, that's what it'll be called for the rest of today. <laughs> sure. And Black, uh, Season 3, Episode 21, Black Widower. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to front load this a bit and say, I think this might be the best pairing of episodes we've had for an episode of our podcast sure. yet. Sure, sure, sure. I feel like it, as a one-two punch, these are bangers. Uh, would you say they're absolute bangers? I would say they bang a rang. Would you say they are bang AF? Uh, I might, fam. Oh, all right, fam. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, that's short for family, isn't it? Yes. Right. Do you address all of your friends as though they are family? Well, the thing is that I don't have friends. Oh, you only have family. I've got family. Is that because you legally adopt all of your friends? <laughs> I try to. A lot of them are not up for it. To... <laughs> you really... know, in the Fast and the Furious franchise, when what? Vin Diesel's character is like one of its catchphrases is, I don't got friends, I got family. I would love for there to be a scene where he says, I don't got friends, and somebody in the background reacts like, oh my god, Vin, I thought we were, <laughs> I got family. Vin? Just Vin, uh, come on, yeah. man. I helped you move. Oh my god, he considers me more than a friend. Oh no, I thought. Oh, okay, sorry. I yes, no, I'd love around. it so they initially react like they're upset about this, and then realize mm. that the real friendship was inside them all along, oh, in the form have, of family. I may have gone too vicious with that adjustment. Okay. Just, I, <laughs> there are several times already that you, we've really arced up, so yep. I'm trying to modulate a bit. Okay, future me, sorry about all the editing. You might have, maybe you'll just leave this in. Now <laughs> that you've said that you might, you can do it. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that, that's the code of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. What's the word I'm looking for to finish that phrase? The, the code of podcasting. <laughs> the more honor. I listen to podcasts and they say, uh, you'll edit that outright. The more I realise that they're only pretending they're not doing any editing. There's a lot of editing involved in every podcast. I think that's true. I also think that, yeah, it's it's just an excuse to say, you'll edit that out, right? Yeah, yeah, t- no, or, no, 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 I'm not editing. And then yeah. everyone knows that you don't want it to be there. Um, <laughs> Speaking of needing vicious editing, should we talk about The Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, so, uh, as you might remember, 
Every couple of episodes, I remember that I flagged the chalkboard gag at the start of the yes, gig. Yes, you do, yes. Uh, so at the start of the gig, start of the episode. <laughs> are these gigs... Um, so, well, we are in the gig economy, so uh, yes. Colonial Homer starts with uh, Bart writing, I will not conduct my own fire drills. Ooh. What I want to know here, does he mean conduct in the sense of undertake, as in he will not be the one responsible for starting these fire drills? Mm. Or has he got like... like Drills like hardware, like Tim the Toolman Taylor type like <laughs> drills, modified them so that they spit fire, and he's conducting them like the leader of an orchestra. He's doing some nefarious things with these fire spitting, battery powered, give me my Makita back Mac drills, and he's uh, causing them to to do his own nefarious bidding. I mean, I think from context, Nick, it's pretty clearly the second one. Good. I'm glad we agree on that. Yes. Good. Okay. That's Good. all I had. That's all I had. <laughs> that was your only note for the whole episode. I feel like I did enough heavy lifting in the intro <laughs> that I didn't need to do any more in the follow-up. <laughs> I've been watching The Simpsons for a while now, most what? of my life, and I, seeing this episode, I would really like to know what kind of film Look Who's Oinking is. Mm. Do you think it's like Look Who's Talking but with a little piglet? Or, well, I was thinking, or is it more like Babe? I was thinking uh, Look Who's Talking but rewritten... To include a warthog. Ooh, a which warthog. Which would be an interesting crossover with... I don't know if we can go into... I mean, we've talked about Basketball Warthog. We've mentioned Basketball Warthog, yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's if we talked about it enough that it's now in the canon of the podcast that I can talk about Basketball Warthog and people immediately know we're all talking about your, so. your 2002 live journal opus. 2005, I think it was. Possibly 2006 even. I don't think it was 2006. It was a script in bad need of rewriting. I definitely, uh, I revisited it for a university assignment, rewrote it for that. But I wow. feel like, yeah, okay. I got a distinction. But I feel like Fair enough. I need to revisit that concept maybe one day. Speaking of Look Who's Oinking. Yes. Um, Look Who's Oinking and what was the other one? I'll Fry Your Face number seven? It was either six or seven. It kind six of, or seven? Oh, I mean, we could, have, we could have rewound and found out for sure, but that seemed like too much effort. Too much effort. Yeah. Um... um uh, and these were at the Googleplex yes. theatre. Now, obviously... This Goog- is another case of The Simpsons you predicting the future, maybe? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I was going to raise it more as a hypothetical because obviously Google is a number, but now we know it more as a brand. Yes. Um, they haven't spelt... Uh, they haven't spelt it the way the brand does because obviously this is a long time before the brand came along. Yes. But... Given the way that Google and Facebook and all our other corporate overlords are taking over more and more aspect of our lives, yep. do you think it will reach a point where cinemas are run by Google uh, and then you don't actually buy a ticket, it just gives you one based on the algorithm of the things you've been searching for? And Ooh, is this... There's mm, a distressing thought. Because mm-hmm, I would rock up and they'd say, what are you here for? <laughs> you've never searched for a movie in your life. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it depends on your position in the blockchain or whatever, and then you go in there, and it uh, algorithmically, you know, you arrive there in your Uber bus, and it tells you what movie you're going to be seeing today. I was walking down a street the other day, and there was a big, uh, there was a truck that had the the big um, shipping containers on the back of it. Yeah, 
And the shipping containers had a big logo that said Bev Chain. Bev and it chain. was a beverage delivery like shipping container. And I was like, finally, <laughs> cryptocurrency that appeals to me. How is your cryptocurrency going, by the way? Oh. We haven't checked in on your cryptocurrency for a while. Hang on, I'll do that right now. Um, I do know that the market has taken a fairly big dip since I put my 50 bucks in. Sure. Um, uh, oh, good. My, my $58 is now worth $28.22. Brilliant. Okay. This is working out well for me. Well, you know, it's going to swing back up. Surely that's how it works. That's the... Uh... <laughs> yep, I hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah. That 50 bucks would be good right about now. <laughs> Homer and Marge. Could have used it to buy lunch. Lunch would be good. Mm. We'll talk about lunch after the... Should we talk about lunch now or should we wait until we've done recording the podcast? Well, I think we'll... I mean, we'll probably finish this recording and then have some lunch. So, yep. I mean, we could do that discussion off air or we could do it now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the listener would like to join us for lunch. No, let's not do that. Let's talk about the uh, the Stockholm Affair, the movie that Homer and Marge Oh, the movie they go to see. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Now, Homer is a terrible movie patron, obviously. Mm-hmm. We know that. Piece of shit. Just uh, making me angry watching him. He's yelling during the movie. He's calling out what's going to happen, that sort of thing. I would contest that Marge is also a terrible movie patron, though, because she has the tallest hair in the world, and she sits in the middle of the theatre. Oh. Sit in the back row, Marge. It's yeah. the best seat anyway. It's the best position. Yeah, Marge. Don't sit in the middle. You're going to block so many people with that enormous hair. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean... Yeah, if you go into a cinema, put your hair down. Yeah, these are inconsiderate pa- uh, patrons of the fine arts. And of, it upsets of, me. Of the fine arts. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, of the movie? Uh, looked like a banger to me. There's a, there's some spy school, there's an octopus, there's, uh, what is it, Jed Colic, I think is the name of one of the characters. Did you just say spy school? <laughs> I said spy school. Spy, oh, spy school. <laughs> yeah. Right, sorry, A School for Spies. I Although thought... the Spice Girls was my favourite 90s pop band. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, oh man, the song they had about, um, uh, uh fuck, okay, now. If I'm... you want to be my dinner... Uh, I'll eat you and your friends. <laughs> Girls eat people, don't they? <laughs> Fuck. That's a... Oh, my God. Because tonight is the night when two become one because I'm going to take over your body because I'm a ghoul and I'm going to possess you. Fuck. Ah, oh, the Spice Girls. I'm just saying every boy and every girl. I'll spice... Uh, no, I don't have anything for that. It's alright, we'll come back to the Spice Girls, I'm sure they'll be like a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have it bubbling away in the back of my brain for the next... And, uh, and look, listeners, if you've got one, feel free to write in. Speaking of that line, bring me or get me Jed Colic. This is an episode where there are a few scenes that are just names being listed. And I'm a big fan of any scene that's just a series of funny names. Oh, sure. That's yes. like a thing that I enjoy. Funny name scenes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Benevin Stanciano, who will find later in uh, one of the other seasons right yeah what a name I know I'm just I think uh, just like giving your character a funny name is automatically funny and sure. is a good way of just prying extra humour out of things so this is a good episode for names that's true and I like the idea of like especially in the line get me Jed Colic in the movie it's kind of like it's delivered with such gravity that it makes you go well that must be someone really important and I yeah. like the idea that we have no context on who it is yeah and we'll never know. Never know. Because he's a spy. He's secretive. Oh, he's in the shadows. Nice. He's doing what most men won't for the betterment of our nation. Probably. I don't know. All right. I haven't seen this movie. All right. 
So, uh, Homer gets shitty at Marge. Yes. Even though he's been a shitty, shitty guy. And he decides to go for a bit of a drive. He drives, by my, by my calculations, at least 115 miles out of town. Yeah, it's a long way. We know this because we see a few different billboards. There's one for Flaming Pete's, which is 75 miles away. Now, my first thought there was 75 miles. Hmm, seems like a long way. I'm going to look that up. Yep. It's 120 kilometers. Who starts advertising 120 kilometers away from their own business? Really playing the long game. Really playing the long game. I mean, is there not like a McDonald's somewhere along the way as well? You would think like 75 miles, it's too much. And then they... It's uh, too much. Later on, Homer encounters open sewers that run for 40 miles. Mm-hmm. So, so far, this is 115 miles accounted for. Now, we have to take into account the fact that from his house, he drove to what seems like the freeway. Mm-hmm. And he's on this country freeway. Uh, I don't know how far out of town that is to begin with. He eventually arrives at this other pub or bar. They call them bars, I suppose. It's not really a pub. but So, he goes at least 115 miles. So, I looked up what the speed limit would be on a typical freeway in the US. Oh, this is good. It would be, 60... if it's a four-lane freeway, it would Can be... Can I guess? Yeah. Is it like 60, 65? Basically, it's, if it was a four-lane freeway, which I don't think this was, it would be 65. Right. For a standard freeway, it would be 55. For an interstate, it would be 70, but I don't think... It, like, interstate rural, and that's would where be you, 70. That's where you flip your pickup trucks. Yeah. Exactly, but this doesn't seem like that to me. No. I think this is I... a 55 mile per hour. Right. So we're looking at... <laughs> 55 miles tails per hour. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. Uh, it's a Sonic. Yes. Sonic, I, was, yeah. I was drinking from my Sonic the Hedgehog 2 mug, so it seemed like an appropriate time to make that just joke. Just immediately my mind goes to, are there jokes I can make here that aren't just about like Sonic having sex with a woman, like a human woman, because it's... No. Okay. Oh, is that an internet meme? That's like what the franchise became at a certain point and then kind of oh, but moved away from again. So it was, so it was like initially it was just a little blue boy just mm. running through a colourful world. Yep. Then he we decided he really likes chili dogs. Yes. Then it's just him fucking. <laughs> and now it's what, back to the chili dogs? <laughs> Soon he's gonna circle back to fuck it. He fucking again. <laughs> That's gonna be the upcoming Sonic game. Sonic he fucking again. Sonic the Hedgehog seven. Boy, he fucking again. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, featuring guest character Knuckles. Knuckle do no fucking. Yeah. I mean, no offense to any Sonic fans out there. You know what the fandom is like. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Sonic fan. Yeah. And I take offense. <laughs> no, I don't take any offense. Uh, so he arrives at uh, Spittle County. Sorry, I've now got various bits of music from Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in my head. Very good. I think that was Air Fortress battle music, if anyone's playing along at home. Anyway. So he drives Spittle, a... Spittle County. Which is a minimum two-hour drive. Yes. At least. At least. He arrives there and he sees Lurleen Lumpkin. Yes. The heart and soul of this episode, played by Beverly D'Angelo. Yes. An actress neither of us is super familiar with, but who is fucking stellar in this episode, I think. She knocks this episode out of the park. I only know Beverly Beverly D'Angelo from this and from the National Lampoon stuff. Have you seen those National Lampoon films? Yes. I haven't. Are, they, is... on our, are, they, are they on the list of movies that I've seen and haven't seen? You know, I was going to start that Google Doc on the weekend and get you to just write down the movies you have seen, yeah. but I didn't. What about if we spend the next 45 minutes on the podcast <laughs> with you and me silently writing down the movies that we know I've seen? Yeah, you've seen Vacation, you've seen No Reservations, you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, you've seen a bunch of movies about Muppets. 
You've seen Love the Beast, of course. You've seen Ross Noble Stitches. You've seen Sisters. You've seen Sisters. the new Ghostbusters. Ghost. You've Busters. seen Wallace and Gromit, Curse Wallace. of the Were-Rabbit. Were-Rabbit. And that's it. Those are all the movies you've seen. What about Lion King and Frozen? The only two movies <laughs> I ever talk about. You fuck knuckle. Nick, let it go, okay? <laughs> Very good. Very good. So, Lurleen um, Lumpkin. So I find it interesting because when they get Lurleen Lumpkin up to sing, mm. the guy says, and now our very own singing waitress, Lurleen Lumpkin, uh, because she's going to be doing this drink service, will stop for the next five minutes. And everyone Just a moment, yes. riots and throws a pig. Um, uh, why? Because Homer doesn't get served by Lurleen. He gets served by some surly barman. Yeah. There, there are other bar persons there that Very continue the man, bar yeah. service. Yeah. Gruffman. Maybe that man was knocked unconscious off screen. Maybe. And now Homer will forever be waiting for Gruffman. Yeah. Because he was the Gruff man. The Gruffman. Have you seen Waiting for Gruffman? No. (laughs) Or Waiting for... What is it? Guffman, I think the movie's actually called. Yeah. Is it different from Waiting for Godot? I always thought they were the same thing. Uh, I believe it is, yes. It uh, it is different? Yes. Right. Waiting for Godot is a play, I believe. Yeah. It's just, uh, I haven't seen the play or read it, but I think it's just a guy standing around saying, why, oh, why is Godot not here? I need Godot to be here. Where the fuck is Godot? Where's Godot? And then, um... Right. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I Sorry. haven't read it. I don't know. But back to Lily. Yeah, so Homer is immediately enamored with her music. Yes. Which I, uh... I like that Homer's journey throughout this episode is just that he really, really loves her music. It's not yes. like a sexual thing for him. No. Which is really interesting. But also, what I was thinking watching this episode is that Homer is to Lurleen what we are to like any podcast we like. Just immediately latch on and must tell everyone about it. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Yes. Um, you buy the shirt, you wear the shirt, you tell everyone about how much you love Blank Check or Reply All or the things you love. I mean, it's pretty disappointing from my perspective that, you know, no matter how many times I've asked Will Anderson if I can be his manager, he just continually says no. <laughs> yeah. It's really annoying. Nick, I'm already quite successful. Yeah. Nick, I've had a management company for 25 years, he says to me. Well, maybe we need to find, like, uh, you know, those local boys at Alol who have that podcast that's slightly more successful than us. Maybe we could manage them. No, have you seen how mean they are to us on social media? They are very mean to us on social media. <laughs> I don't want to have constant channels of communication <laughs> open between them. Yeah. I'll have no self-esteem. I already have barely any. And we're so nice to them. It's a good podcast. We think people should listen to it. Definitely listen to... Okay, anyone that hasn't listened to Adelol, A-D-E-L-O-L, it is a South Australian-based history podcast, Uh, what you need to do is go find in their archives, should be fairly recent, depends on where you listen to this, time's a flat circle, who knows. Go listen to the Live at the Adelaide Fringe uh, about Reg Spears. It is a tremendous episode. It is a fucking banger, and you might hear us laughing in the background. Possibly. I count that as a cameo appearance. On another oh, podcast I think they mention our name in it Yeah, they do yeah. Just like that episode of My Favourite Murder that I'm on Because I'm in the audience and I'm laughing Yeah, the yeah the funny yeah. gags they keep telling Yeah, that was good yeah. a little, uh, Once again I've Our asked, most successful episode, I think I, I've, asked, uh, I've asked Karen and Georgia if they want me to manage them mm. And I just get no I don't even get that, to be honest I just get yeah. silence I just, maybe, get a, I just get a brick wall of silence Maybe Stephen will let us manage him Stephen? Stephen from My Favourite Murder Oh, sure, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Sorry, for a moment I thought you meant... Uh, <laughs> Just some guy. No, well, there's a there's a list, there's someone that occasionally interacts with us on social media called Stephen. Is there? Uh, Stephen... 
Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's, or, he's an Adelaide lad. I, or I thought you meant um, uh, uh, Barjo. There's a lot of stuff I'm going to have to cut out there, I think. That's yeah, fine, though. That's no, fine. fine. Everything's good. Um, uh, was I going to say anything more about Lowland's performance? It's really good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then Homer goes back to Marge, they have sex, and then Homer wants to be Lowland's manager. And basically, immediately, he gets her to record a song, mm-hmm. and it gets picked up by a radio station. Yep. And suddenly this thing that I've talked about in the past about everyone in town suddenly being very into something specific. Yes. We cut to numerous scenes of characters around Springfield listening to this country music radio, radio station, station card that is playing Lowlands music. Yes. We got Moe. We got, uh, what is it, like the entire prison. We got Krusty. Yes. He's beating the shit out of Mel for having sex with his sister. Mm. It's a whole thing. It's suddenly whole the whole town is very into country music. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's one of those wonderful things where uh, not only is everyone suddenly interested in, in this particular station, but it's not like we ever see characters with the radio on in the background normally. No. Um, you know, it's such a device. Yes. KBBL is going to give me something stupid, by the way. So if my phone calls in the middle of this episode, I might have to take it. Oh. I did actually forget to put my phone on silent. I'm going to do that right now. That's very convenient. There we go. It? So It's a big phone. It is a big phone. Which one's that? That is the iPhone 8 Plus. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you got the big boy. I got the big boy. I got the oh, big boy. I got the big boy. Um, Don't know what that's an impression of. I do enjoy that when they get uh, the cowboy suit for Homer, he goes to a shop called Corpulent Cowboy. I do like the word corpulent and corpulent? I do enjoy alliteration. That is a yes. Hmm. I think that there should be more alliteration. Okay. So there should be... uh, What's another word that starts with A? Additional alliteration. There we go. (laughs) Fuck. Fucking hell. Additional alliteration. (laughs) Yes. It'd take me so long to get to additional. Yeah. How does it feel? It feels uh, very... It feels bad. Okay. (laughs) You happy now? You showed me up. Feels bad, Barry. <laughs> In that situation, I'm Barry. Oh, you're Barry. I'm me. <laughs> so Bart uh, talks about shock DJs sure. and how he doesn't like country western because it takes away precious airtime from shock DJs whose uh, profanity amuses us all. Yes, I got, this got me thinking. He's kind of right. I think should we rebrand a shock? Podcasters, do you think? No, I don't want to do that. No? <laughs> no. You don't want to be like a, I don't know, Scooty in the douchebag or something like that? <laughs> Scooty in the douchebag. Yeah. That sounds like something they'd play on card. It does sound like something they'd play on card. Um, no, I think uh, Shock DJs can, can bugger off out of here. Yeah? Yeah. That's probably fair. I think so. If any Shock DJs are listening, uh, fuck you, I guess. Because it's just like Robbie Williams once said... I don't want a shock, DJ. And uh, the Robbie Williams quote that we would rather embody is, let me entertain you. So let's leave that. That was very well done. Well, thank you. Now, there's a scene in this episode where Homer returns to Marge and they have a bit of an argument. Hmm. And Homer, uh, when he arrives, Marge is looking at the clock and it clicks over to 1010 at night. 1010. 1010. Like 1010, but 1010. <laughs> And Homer arrives, and they have a bit of an argument. Oh, you mean the time that was uh, uh, um, written by Herge? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, 10-10. <laughs> yeah, that clean art style. Uh, yes. So it's 10-10, 
As opposed to Tintin, when he arrives. Yes, very good. And it's the time of Thompson and Thompson. Yes, they have a bit of an argument, a bit of a back and forth. And Homer says, I'm going to be this woman's manager. You can't stop me. Rah, rah, rah. And then he walks back out. The time is 10.15. 10.15. Five minutes has not passed. This entire scene takes maybe less than a minute. Mm. Their argument lasts less than a minute. But five minutes has passed in the show. Right. Now, there are some implications here that we have to think about. Implications? I mean, we understand that time is a flat circle, and we understand that what is also a flat circle is an omelette that folds in on itself that's becoming a half circle. Yes. And uh, what we have to maybe think about here is the idea that either we are seeing a truncated version of events and their actual argument is longer, and maybe this is once again the show taking away certain elements and giving us the suggestion that longer things have happened than what we're seeing on the screen. Or maybe in this version of Springfield that we're seeing right now, time just doesn't operate properly. Something's going on. Time is becoming unstuck. Billy Pilgrim's just wandering around. Billy Pilgrim? Yeah, don't worry about that. Someone will get... A lot of people will get that reference. It's a very popular book, but... um, oh. Slaughterhouse-Five. Very good. The best book. Uh, was that written by Hirsch? <laughs> yeah, it was Hirsch Vonnegut. The... <laughs> I just want to get yeah. cool, nice. So there's something, there's something going on here with time. I don't know exactly what it is. Mm, interesting, but it's definitely something to consider because you know, on the universe. My initial reaction when I saw the time ticking over, and, and and I believe you commented on it. Yes. My first reaction is that the reason is not because of anything to do with time. It's just because we're seeing the second or perhaps the third take of that scene. Ooh. Interesting. Mm. And they haven't reset the clocks for continuity because perhaps the person that was in charge of filming for continuity purposes was was away sick that day. And so they let the clocks creep forward. So you're thinking the actors who portray Marge and Homer in this episode... Yes. Had to do it over a few times. I think they did. I think that, you know, that perhaps Homer's mm. timing wasn't quite right. Maybe he was flubbing the lines. Mm. Oh, we also didn't mention that on the night that he meets uh, Lurleen, he's out all night drinking at a bar that's two hour, that's at least two hours away from his house and then just gets back in his car and drives home and rocks up at sunrise. Yeah. Um, he shouldn't have driven. He that. shouldn't have done many of the things he did in this episode. He shouldn't have done many of the things. One of them was flubbing his lines and requiring several takes, mm. which means that the time on the clock is not equal to the time on the... Yeah, isn't it funny? Like People don't understand how cartoons are made and that they have actual actors in the studio doing all of this and then they just sort of draw it afterwards, but they have to draw exactly what happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah really yeah. interesting. It is interesting. People not, just don't get it. But not a lot of people get it. No. But no. I mean, what would Andy Serkis do if it wasn't for animation? Yeah probably go back to the circus i would imagine (laughs) dumb joke leaving it in (laughs) very very good there's a scene where lurleen is recording her new song finally bagged me a homer yes what i really like about this scene is we cut between lurleen recording her song and then the family just getting up to mischief out in the office a bit of mischief just uh maggie spinning around on the thing and bart trying to mess with the mixing board and doing his hand bone thing and just uh a lot of Maggie Japery. Mm. I like this because it suggests, uh, this family being mischievous suggests that the creative team behind The Simpsons at this point just had so many fucking ideas. Like, I feel like there's a point where the show would have switched over and just shown you, shown her playing the song. Sure. And the song would be the whole scene. This time it's like, let's cram in like six jokes during this song. Mm. 
just also happening. So you can enjoy the song because it's pretty good. Beverly D'Angelo is really good. It's a good song. And then you can enjoy just Maggie being funny off in the background. It's and neat. I like it. It is good. And Lisa comes in with a sweet little saxophone stab. Yeah. Which um, she's managed to pick up the key that the song's in and then just wing away at this bloody... Just just toot like an absolute champion. Yep, champion tutor. That's what I've always said. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, there's one of the... When Bart goes to futz with something on the mixing desk and the guy slaps his hand down, um, if you listen to the song like on the album, mm. it doesn't have the sound of the slap in it. And it really annoys me because it comes at a really nice time in the song. <laughs> yeah. it, works, it works well does have the grinding noise, though, if you listen to it on... What's the name of that album? It's Songs in the Key of Something. What is it? Oh, isn't it um, Springs in the Pods of Sprungfield? Yeah, it's Something in the Key of Springfield. I don't remember. Uh, pods. Yeah, that's right. Pods in the Key of Springfield. Beasts. <laughs> Beasts in the Key of Podfield. That's a Spring... reference to an episode I assume nobody will listen to. <laughs> Springs in the Beast of Fieldfield. <laughs> And if you are coming back after listening to our Love the Beast episode, you'll be glad that we now talk exclusively and only about The Simpsons. DeVete's in the key of Springfield. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Alright. Homer's um, a really good manager. He's an outstanding manager. Yeah. He, not only does he get, like, nationwide radio play, but he gets her a spot on TV. Within, like, a week. Really, really quickly. And, like, live television. This seems like a Saturday Night Live, but yeah. aimed at, like, the Midwest. He's so much better at a manager than he is at being possibly anything else. Yeah. Which is interesting, because he says it's his boyhood dream to, marriage a be- uh, to, marriage, <laughs> to manage a beautiful country music star. Yeah. Marge says, no, your boyhood dream was to eat the biggest sandwich. Here it is. Yeah. Hoagie. Which is also very impressive, by the way. Very impressive. That he managed to eat the world's largest hoagie. Yes. Um, uh, what's the name of the professional eater? Joey Chestnut? Was Joey Ch- has, has he got the world's biggest sandwich under his belt? I don't think so. I doubt Homer it. Does. Or Matt Stoney, who's also a famous professional eater. I doubt he's eaten the world's... Actually, he probably has. He's eaten a lot of weird shit. I don't think it's Joey Chestnut. It's Joey something. Anyway. Uh, Joey, Joey Chestnut's the hot dog guy. I, I see the hot dog guy. Yeah. yeah, well, okay, cool. That's the guy I was thinking yeah. of there. He takes the hot dogs and he throws them down. He's throwing... <laughs> Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, takes all his dignity and throws it away. I wouldn't um, say that. He's very rich and famous for eating things. Yep. Don't know if, it's a th- <laughs> don't know if it comes with any dignity, though. I feel like... I'm, I don't know. What dignity do we have? Uh, I think... I think <laughs> we work in journalism and law and we have no dignity. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, no, not a fan of eating competitions uh, for the hot dogs. I think they're insane. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So he says that this is, it's his boyhood dream to manage a... Uh, beautiful country music star maybe it is because he seems to have a game plan and he seems to do really well at it yeah I think it's not the first time that he's thought about it he seems to already have a Rolodex full of numbers he could call Rolodex like it's hard to get in contact with a TV station and pitch them on a singer I would think I, I imagine so yeah I mean it takes most people a very long time after their first sort of semi-professional gig to land on national television mm yeah, very good at his job. Very good at his job. So good, in fact, that uh, something I didn't notice until today's viewing is that Lurlene has a life-size picture of his head hanging in her tiny little caravan. Mm. I don't know how these details never escape me. It is a big picture. And they're sitting on the bed in front of the picture, and his head in real life is as big as his head in the picture. It's a big picture, It's a James. huge picture. You're not looking at... You weren't looking at the big picture until now. <laughs> Fuck. Very, very good. So Lurleen takes him back to her trailer 
and sings Bunk With Me Tonight. Maybe the sexiest shit in the world, this mm. song. It's ridiculous. Uh, a few thoughts. Bunk as a stand-in for fuck is really clever. <laughs> it's just far away enough. That's good. That it doesn't sound like fuck, but it obviously is fuck. That's an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah. Because I always... I mean, look... I I thought that bunk was a one-for-one replacement of the verb share a bed with. Yes. Uh, and obviously the implication is fuck, but you're right. It's very close to fuck. Yeah. It's got enough... Is assonance the word I'm looking for here? Uh, or is I, assonance the opposite of what I'm looking for I here? I would say percussiveness. Percussiveness. Ooh. Because fucks are very... It's got a, um, it's got a nice percussiveness to it. It's got the ak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, I used another word. It starts with a fricative, and ends with a something else. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Bunk with me tonight. Hidden message there, so she wants to fuck up. It's it's a really good scene. She this wants episode. to go. She wants to go absolutely Sonic the Hedgehog on on Colonel Homer. <laughs> Ring spelling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very good. It's a distressing <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't want to make any sonic noises, but uh, it's good. It's very good. Yep. This episode. Oh, I was about to pick up my guitar and make a <laughs> and make a video game noise, but it was it was going to be a Mario noise, not a Sonic noise. It's not going to work. <laughs> what are you doing? You you going for it? All right, sure. It's not going to stay in the episode. But it might. Right oh. It's like the coins in Mario. Dun 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 dun. Bump. I used to know how to play that. Not anymore. That can all get cut. Sonic the Hedgehog, everyone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Did I tell you about the time I tried to make Sonic the Hedgehog play NBA Jam? No, what? So with Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles, yeah. uh, the cartridge on Sega Mega Drive 2 had the flip top where you could plug in the... One Sonic and, 2, was it, you could put in you there? You could put yeah. Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 in and then play those games with Knuckles, Ooh. which I think is a pretty advanced and pretty cool thing. Very much so. And so I was like, oh, how good's this? So I stuck uh, NBA Jam Tournament Edition <laughs> into the top and then uh, Sonic and Knuckles come up on the screen and they just shake their heads and tap their feet <laughs> waiting for me to take out the cartridge and put in a real game. Put in a real game? You're saying what? NBA Jam's not real? Um, Are well, you saying that basketball men don't light on fire after scoring three, three, three dunks in a row? He's on fire! Sure. Boom that sounded, shaka-laka. That sounded slightly more like um, the old Jewish man from The Simpsons. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> So we're nearing the end of this uh, this very good episode, and I, what have I got to say here? I really, I really like that Homer at no point considers actually having an affair with Lurleen. I think that's what makes this episode work really well. Yes. I think you know, there's a later episode in season five where he does consider having an affair, and that feels fresh and new because it didn't happen back here. Sure. I like it. And I also kind of like that this episode, especially in the final scene, kind of lets Homer like be sexy for a moment. Yes. I feel like uh, it's very, very uncommon for The Simpsons to do that. Mm. And in general for like uh, 
wider media to portray larger men as sexy in any way. Yeah. I know one thing a lot of people really like about The Sopranos is that James Gandolfini was allowed to be kind of this weird sexy man and, uh... You know, Homer, like, the character model for Homer is, like, fucking crazy when you really look at it and think about it. Was he cast... Was Gandolfini cast as Weird Sexy Man? Yeah, that was that was his okay. character. Um, did you ever see the Mythbusters where they made a life-size Homer to test some Simpsons myths? No. There's, like, a picture of Adam Savage from Mythbusters standing next to a life-size Homer, and when you put it up to human proportions, it is an insane character model. Yeah? Yeah. Just like the episode King-Sized Homer, but Life-Sized Homer, it's a... Okay. So you mean where he wins the lottery and plates himself gold and somehow grows bigger? Yes. Yes, good. Yes, yes, I do. What are you searching for here? It's alright, you can go jogging. Doing a bit of Googling. But we're at the end of the episode. There's not that much left to say. It's a very, very good episode. I remember when we re-watched most of The Simpsons, or the first, like, 11 seasons, when I was living at your place. Yeah. Two years ago, this one... uh, we really had a field day with. We, I don't know. It's one of those episodes I hadn't thought of as being a masterpiece until we rewatched it two years ago. Now it's up there. Yeah, I agree. It's great. Also, right up there. See, oh, you've, hor- got, you've got distressing how, Homer on the screen. Yeah, look at how horrifying that is when you put it next to people. Yeah. Anyway, I recommend people could do a bit of a do a bit of a Google. What term did you type in? To get these pictures. I typed in Simpsons Mythbusters Homer. Okay, very good. Do that Google. This is a interactive podcast. Because they they test the myth with the the wrecking ball. Ah, yes. So they strap... They build this life-size Homer, strap into a wrecking ball, and then see if they could still knock down a house with with a person strapped to a wrecking ball. Okay. Wouldn't that just kill the man? He came in like a wrecking ball. With the person on it. Very good. Black Widower. Season 3, episode 21, Black Widower. Uh, Talkboard gag. Funny noises are not funny. Yes. We had some thoughts about this. What what did you have to say about this? I, I didn't write down the riff I was going to go on. Now I completely don't remember what it was. Well, my thought was, funny noises are not funny. I thought about this for a while, and I think it is the most stuffy, authoritarian teacher position to take. I really like it, the idea that... This is like something that a child would not understand and maybe shouldn't understand. This idea of funny noises not being funny is like Orwellian doublespeak that adults adopt to try to discourage children from being creative in ways that don't conform to the creativity they're asking them to perform. That's interesting. Yeah, it's creativity outside of the performative creativity that schools ask you of. I think it's a smart gag. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, something to say, but didn't write it down, and now don't remember it. Okay. Were you just going to make like a fart noise and say, see, no, pretty funny? No, 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 no. I was actually going to say, I was going to talk about something that... Pretty but, funny. I was going to talk about something Bart had done in a previous episode, and then compare it to that, but now I don't remember what the fuck it was. Okay. And I'm really annoyed that I didn't write this down. Maybe we can come back to it. Maybe. That's fine. If I can think about it, we'll edit it in. Well, uh, so this episode stars uh, Dr. Fraser Crane, of course. He took a bit of a break from his radio show to come and do this. Uh, sure. Yeah. Dr. Fraser. Have you ever seen Fraser? No, never. I've heard it's not very Why good. Why am I surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Niles, I am Fraser. I have to go do The Simpsons. And then he would just leave for an episode. and Right. Yeah. Oh, was there a crossover? No. Uh-huh. I mean, there kind of was, because in the uh, that season 8, I think it is, oh, episode... Brother from another series. Yeah, where they get Niles to come on, he's like, I am Niles, I am on the show as well. So that week, 
Fraser was just a lot of people walking around saying, where the fuck are Fraser and Niles? <laughs> Who's feeding the tiny dog? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, this uh, episode... Ooh, yes? This episode opens with them watching uh, a parody of the show Dinosaurs, which was itself seen as a rip-off of The Simpsons at the time. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry, I remember what I was going to say about the chalkboard gag. Okay. My first thought is... Is Bart preparing for another mini-golf slash putt-putt tournament? Is this the latest iteration of Lisa's Zen teachings of if a tree falls in the wood, will anyone hear it? Funny noises are not funny contains within itself an existential contradiction. That's what I was thinking. Oh, shit. We had surprisingly deep thoughts about this job. Yeah. Do you see now why I was so pissed off that I couldn't remember it initially? (laughs) That's good. I was very pleased with that. Anyway. (laughs) I like that you just... (laughs) <laughs> didn't bother to write it down because you seemed very excited. You told me, said, I got some thoughts about that. <laughs> I wrote funny noises are not funny. And then I thought, yeah, I'll remember my, I'll remember my bullshit. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's almost like after 31 episodes plus all the eat my shorts, you'd think I'd know how to do this by now. Anyway. Did you ever watch the TV show Dinosaurs? I don't think so. Was that with John Goodman? Was he one of the voices of one of the dinosaurs? No, the dinosaur just kind of looked like John Goodman. <laughs> Fair the little baby smack you saying, not the mama, not the mama. You never watched it? Oh, no, 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 no. Are no, you no. aware of how that show ended? Um, what happened in the final episode? Oh, is it... <laughs> I know that there were lots of 90s sitcoms that went bizarre. Like, didn't... Mm. Isn't the whole last season of Roseanne like a time travel dream? They've retconned that because Roseanne is coming back now. There's like a new season of Roseanne. Right. So they undid the death dream. Okay. Oh, it wasn't really a death dream. It was like a, uh, this is my, f- this is what I wish had happened. Right. And then and they're going back and saying, actually, none of that stuff we said it actually happened, actually happened. Right. Because they killed off John Goodman, like, in the final scene. They're like, oh, he's actually been dead the whole season. But now they're going back and doing new seasons saying, no, he's not. He was still alive. And didn't uh, didn't Alf end by the FBI coming and dragging Alf away? Yes, it did. But then they did a like television movie two years later. I'm so glad. How you... do I just incidentally know all these things? I'm so glad that you... Because we didn't plan this. I did this research time. maybe a week ago as well. <laughs> This is like new information that I just acquired. (laughs) That Alf had a TV movie they did to wrap up the plot, but like the main actors, except for Alf, did not return. So it's this Alf running around like, ah, I guess I gotta get back to that family, but you know. Gotta get back to eating them cats. It's got, um. God, who's the actor I'm thinking of? He played uh, Albert on Twin Peaks. I'm a big fan of his, and he died fairly recently. Uh, uh, someone someone that died recently. That should narrow it down. Yeah, he played Albert on Twin Peaks. Albert. Albert was the best. Albert. Yeah. And I could go on a whole Twin Peaks thing here, and I'm tempted to, but maybe I won't. Well, hang on. If you want to delve into that, I'll find out who Miguel Ferreira, Albert. that's his name. Miguel Ferreira. Miguel um, Ferreira. He was any, in the ALF movie. Any relation to Rachel Ferreira? Possibly. <laughs> anyway, going back to Dinosaurs... Sure. The show ends with the the patriarch of the family, the dad. He works for John some Goodman. sort of. Uh, yeah, sure. He work, I don't remember his job exactly. It's something to do with like an environmental agency, I want to say. But anyway, he accidentally causes the ice age. Oh, fuck. And the ep- the final episode ends with them like watching the news about like what's about to happen, and the baby's like, "Are we gonna be okay?" <laughs> and the dad's like, "I don't know, man. <laughs> I oh doubt my it." God. So the episode ends 
with the extinction of dinosaurs, basically. Like, you don't see them actually die, but it's heavily implied they have very little time left. That's outstanding. Just like this episode ends with Selma nearly dying, I suppose. Sure. If we want to drag it back to The Simpsons, which I do, because I like The Simpsons. And it is, as I have mentioned, nominally what this podcast is about. Only nominally. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, Wow, my um, notes are all from the end of the episode. (laughs) Brilliant. There is one that I do enjoy, though, where... um, um, Selma or Patty? I don't even remember which one it is. Patty. Say it properly. T. Um, one of them says they bought stock in a mace company just before society crumbled. That's Selma. That's Selma. Yeah, now, that's, that's jumping forward a lot, by the way, but that's okay. What was that? Oh, yeah, it's jumping forward quite a bit, sorry. <laughs> so that's, that's 1991 level of society crumbling. Imagine mm. what those stocks would be worth now if she hadn't sold them. Mm. Whew. Ooh. Don't like to think about it. I mean, I guess if you had stock in, like, handgun sales now, it'd be fucking through the roof. But do you find it weird, by the way... So mace is the kind of, you know, generic name for pepper spray. Yeah. Do you find it weird that in our primary school there was a house called Mace which was red? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I mean it was always like the mace that you hold, which is still a weapon. It's still a weapon because yeah. uh, the thing that's... It's like a club. Uh, I thought the mace was the bomby knocker. That that thing that's like a stick with a chain and a spiky ball on the end of it, which I always call a bomby knocker. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um uh yeah, interesting. Anyway, sorry, I just thought of that then. <laughs> so this is the episode where uh Socha Bob marries Selma and then tries to kill her. Yeah. Yes. And then he gets put back in jail and then someone comes along and says, What the hell happened to my side social Bob? Yeah, and it's good as hell. It's a good episode. It's good. It it, it fucking rules. So we see we see that this little... episode fucks like Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking. A lot of people were very pleased the other day when you said in a pod in one of our episodes you said, "Ah, oh, this episode's good. This episode fucks." Yes, yes, they were. People did. People enjoyed that. Yes, so I thought I nearly I'd said to... about Colonel Homer as well. I thought I'd try to ride your coattails there. Uh, we see Sojo Bob, he's been in prison. There's like this neat little ongoing thing about prison overcrowding in this episode, just mm. sort of like ticking away in the background. Mm. Uh, there's a scene where he's picking up garbage from a highway, and we see Krusty driving past and throwing a, or his monkey throws uh, Mr. Teeny. He throws a Krusty brand milkshake sure. out the car and it hits Bob. I like the idea that Krusty is eating at Krusty Burger. A very yeah. wealthy man is eating from his own shitty chain restaurant. Yeah, that is interesting. Do you think Ronald McDonald eats at McDonald's? I imagine so. I know the Hamburglar does, but he's got that sweet yeah. five-finger discount. Yes. Do you think they... Um, maybe they'll update that for the Monday and he'll become like the Hamblogger and he'll just like write Yelp reviews about hamburgers? That's good. Holy I, shit, that is good, isn't it? I don't think Mayor McCheese would eat at Hamburg at, at, at McDonald's because that would be a weird form of cannibalism. Hmm. In the same way that Grimace couldn't drink at McDonald's because he is the embodiment of a milkshake, a product that they know. Yeah, I mean, sell. he's a poor choice for Mayor, really, isn't he? Mayor McCheese? Yeah. Well, I mean, in what way? Are you saying Mayor McCheese is underqualified? I want to know how they get the sash over his head. Does he step into the sash and then pull it up All and then I'm sling it on his shoulder? We have not seen a birth certificate. We don't know that he was born in McDonald's land. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look, Jesus Christ. All right, and that's enough of that reference. <laughs> they show, they show um, old mate Bob 
stamping license plates in prison. Yes. He's he's stamping like I hate but, uh die but, fuck but, that sort of thing. But DOA. Uh yeah, Bray but. Uh one thing oh. that I, one thing that I'm wondering oh. is uh it seems very unlikely they would let the prisoners choose what the license plates are going to say, right? Yeah. It seems like that seems to be Bob's entire job, though, because he's not operating any machinery aside from a keyboard, it seems. Yeah. He's just, so his he's job just is there. to just decide on slogans. But... Yeah. I feel like if, if you are leaving people to make their own number plates up <laughs> for the entire state of whatever state Springfield's in, you're going to end up with some duplicates at some point. Yeah. Because if Sideshow Bob, he, he clocks off and then bloody... Middle show Terry comes in for his shift, and he's just like, "Oh, I might do a series of Bart plates," and then they'll come. Be, they'll be at the end of the thing. They'll be like, "Oh God, we've got to the Bart plates again. <laughs> we have sold out of bought license plates." <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's weird. Surely, you know, he's going up for parole. Wouldn't they look at the fact that he keeps printing out license plates, threatening to kill the person who originally implicated him for the crime he committed and say, oh yeah. I feel like the entire Simpsons family is very, very blasé about the fact that uh, Sideshow Bob is being welcomed back into their life. Yes, I was thinking about this because I think we take this for granted now, having seen many Sideshow Bob episodes. But in this episode, in the first one, he just frames Krusty for robbery. Mm. In this one, he jumps up to murder. That's yeah. a pretty big jump. That is a big jump. Yeah. That's out of um, the frying pan and into like a bigger frying pan where you kill things. Are you jumping laterally? Because the phrase out of the frying pan into the fire has always been like you jump out and then you fall down. Mm. Are you jumping across to a different frying pan that's on a different well, hob? Well, yeah, it's like a or four, you, four burner or have stove. You got, or have you got stacked frying pans so that you keep jumping down, but you've just stacked them somehow? Nick, let's be serious here for a moment. Who's stacking frying pans? That's not how you cook anything. Well, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> that's why I was asking, James. Well, I guess that's how you learn, and I apologise. I shouldn't have blocked your attempts at learning. I'm sorry. I'll be more straightforward in my cooking methods from now on. Please. Okay. Now, uh, such a Bob's prison number is the same as Jean Valjean's in Les Miserables. And I turned to you and said, Nick, have you watched or read Les Miserables? And you said no. And I said, well, neither have I, so we probably shouldn't riff on it. Yeah. And you said, oh, no, I'll have some things to say. Well, no. Well, yeah, you've, you've, you've stitched me up there. Stitched you up front proper. No, like Ross Noble in the movie Stitches. Very good. Because it started as, he says, 24601, I think it is. 8675309. Yeah, exactly. And I just said, oh, what the fuck's that number? That's definitely something. And then we checked and it was... Jean Valjean, yep. from Les Miserables. Yes. Um, where I think he stole a loaf of bread, maybe, yeah. and then became one of the miserable. Yes. Um, and that's all I had to say. Because I, I, I knew the number would be a reference to something. There, I'll put okay. it that way. Okay, 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 okay. And I wanted to let everyone know that I'm very smart. Yes. Yes, yes. you are. Thank you. No questioning that. <laughs> Thank you. And I am not one of the miserable. <laughs> Nor am I one of the basket of deplorables. <laughs> no. Shit. Uh, so Bob gets out of prison, Bob. of course. Out of prison. He takes the prison and he throws it into his past and he's running around and uh, they go to a karaoke bar. Yes. The karaoke... Same, same karaoke bar that Bart and Lisa went to? 
I don't think on. so. Oh, right. I don't know, because that was a sushi bar. Oh, yeah. With a karaoke bar attached. Oh, yeah, you're right, it was. And I don't remember what that sushi bar was called, but I don't think it was called the Happy Sumo, was it? I don't think... No, the sushi bar was called... All I can think of is the one that in Japan that you didn't go to, because it was called Fugu. Yes. But they're at a place called the Happy Sumo, and they're doing karaoke... And there's no indication that this is also a restaurant. It just seems like a karaoke bar. Mm. With that in mind, the Happy Sumo is kind of a dumb name, isn't it? Um, uh, almost certainly. I mean, it's already not a great name because it's just taking, let's look at like a recognizable cultural thing and just reappropriate that for the name of our bar. Mm. But if it's not even a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very weird name for a karaoke um, bar. Uh, One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish episode summary here. Homer takes the family to the Happy Sumo for sushi. Oh. So it is the same place. Oh. I like that it's the same place. Making a little comeback. Okay. It's still... I don't know. I don't it's, know it's about not, this it's, name. It's not a great name. Yeah. But it's... You know. <laughs> unless... Unless... Look, maybe I'm being culturally insensitive. Maybe at the end of a sumo bout... When the, the the victorious one of the two sumo wrestlers, a microphone descends down from the from the ceiling of the stadium, mm. and he picks it up, and a backing track starts, and then he busts out a bit of you know my heart will go on. Well, let me tell you, Nick, I've um I've actually been to the sumo in Tokyo, and I can confirm that's absolutely what happens. Sick. What songs did they sing when you went to see them? Uh, they sang Hakuna Matata. Oh, that's good. What a wonderful phrase. Yep. Uh, let it go. Oh, yeah, perfect. And, oh, well. Wow. Uh, finally bagged me a homer. Those Fuck. are the three. Fuck, I wish I'd been at that, <laughs> at that gig. Yeah. That would have been... What a banging AF fam set list. <laughs> yeah. It was a very solemn and dignified event. But still, it was, it was good. It was, yeah. Sure. Uh, there's other things that happened in this episode. Are Should they? we talk about them? No. Okay, fair enough. This has been Pods in the Key of Springfield. Bye. In Springfield. So, Krusty is hosting the... Wait, James, didn't we just end the episode? Ah, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry, I just kind are of... You, are you doing fibs to our audience? Wizzle wuzzle. Oh. Uh, so, Krusty hosts the 27th annual Telethon for Motion Sickness. 27 yes. seems like a lot of telethons for Motion Sickness. It does seem like an awful lot, doesn't it? I mean, surely... If you were trying to, like, cure motion sickness, 27 telephones would be enough. It doesn't seem like that serious an issue. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be that difficult to cure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, don't you just, um, uh, like, yeah, what? I, I didn't realise how weird that is. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. On this same, uh, scene, I'd like to premiere a new segment for our podcast. A new segment? Okay. Now we've had... I haven't run this path. How the Simpsons has ruined my life. Sure. We've done that. That's been done. We've had many times where we've talked about how the Simpsons has uh, left us bitter, twisted, angry individuals who crave for, you know, our past glories, who can't move on, who remember being published in a comic book, say, but now can't find the comic book and it's like a real tragedy in our lives. And in many ways, just... our lives are bereft of meaning and purpose. Yeah, in many, many ways. Mm, not just Simpsons related, let's be clear. <laughs> but in this episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield, I'd like to premiere a new segment that I call How the Simpsons Has Improved My Life. It's oh, oh, a lovely little spin on things. I see what you've done there. You've, you've like done a little opposite. 
There's a scene in this. Look where... at you. Look at you doing your little opposites. I'm stoked to myself. There's a scene where Krusty is talking to Bob on the telephone, and uh, that's not how that word is pronounced, but still, he's talking to Bob. <laughs> on the telephone. Yeah. Did you the say? second one, Zillophone. <laughs> so he's, talking to, he's talking to Bob, and he says, you know, that guy that got to replace you, he's unfit to fill your shoes. Cuts to such a mel, watching, watching it, mm. and he says, all I can be is myself. Sure. This is a line that I find so useful <laughs> in everyday life. Hmm. Anytime I'm questioned on anything or my skills at something are brought into question or I have any reason to defend myself, sure. the line, all I can be is myself, is something I come back to all the fucking time. Wow. And I'm always thinking about little Mel sitting there in his apartment, mm. just realizing, realizing his own limitations see, and being able to live with them. See, I think, though, for Mel, he delivers it with a tone of disappointment. But are you saying mm. you find comfort in this phrase? Oh, absolutely. It's a form of defense for me, really. Oh, a form of defense. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, because for a moment, I thought you meant you use it as like a, a comfort-giving mantra, something that re-centers you and realigns your priorities. Because for me, that is, of course, love. The Beast. Yes. Um, I mean, we're all very well versed with my mantras. Yes. Um, we all know how deeply and profoundly your love of the Beast goes. Yes, exactly. Mm. Me and... and Hang on. Me and Eric and um, <laughs> uh, Tony and and Skip or whatever the other childhood friend was called. Skip and Tony, sure. Skip and Tony. Skip and Tony was my friend. He was always skipping. Then they sent him away. Anyway, uh, good episode. Uh, now there's a Bob watching MacGyver with Selma. I want to talk about this because oh, sure. so Patty and Selma love MacGyver. Like Bob, MacGyver, 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 MacGyver. Big shoes. <laughs> and of course, such a Bob is having none of it. Yes, he doesn't care for it. And I'm watching such a Bob get angry at how much they enjoy this show and think this must be the most relatable part of The Simpsons for Nick that has ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> I did make sure to note, though, that you're less of a dick about it than Bob is. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, challenge accepted. The uh, Yes, the, the way that Bob starts twitching in his seat and tapping his fingers on the, mm. the couch and like the, the various incredulous looks that he gives the direction of the TV, that kind of is a snapshot of me whenever yeah. anyone shows me any kind of content. Yeah. When you're being asked to engage in any form of content outside like the eight or so you find acceptable, yeah. <laughs> which are like Disney cartoons, the Muppets, the football, yes, uh, the Simpsons, yes, the cricket. Yeah. Uh, that's only five. Tell, uh, tell you what, the day we're recording this, cricket's taken an interesting turn. Oh, yes, it has. <laughs> oh, boy, howdy. Occasionally stand-up comedy, but only like specific subsets of it. <laughs> Uh, the work of Tina Fey, I suppose. Oh, bits of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, well, mean Girls can take a hike, but 30 Rock's okay. Yeah, Mean Girls, good movie. So that's, that's six and a half we've got. Six and a half. I think that and is... And then uh, The Town of Springfield itself, which I consider in many ways to be a form of content. So that's seven and a half. And what gets us to eight is a very small, narrow band of cooking shows. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of cooking shows, but only some of them. I'm not interested in watching Gordon Ramsay. He's a fuckwit that shouldn't have any success. But Jamie Oliver, Delia Smith, Rick Stein, love them. And also, like, let's play channels that have fewer than 40 views total. <laughs> That's a bit personal. <laughs> no, I feel like there's been a few. Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There have been a few. Yeah. 
Ah, there's a uh, there's a scene here that I really like of Lisa being jealous. I do enjoy those moments where you boil me down to my <laughs> to my shittiest attributes. It's podcast gold, baby. It's very cathartic <laughs> to realize what a, what an absolute jerk I am. No, you're fine. No. My note specifically says that you're less of a dick about it than Sideshow Bob. Oh, that's true. You know the murderer. <laughs> Serial criminal murderer. Yeah, I scrape. I, mean, I scrape in at just less of a fuckwit than that. Guy. I mean, to be fair, attempted murderer. He never actually succeeds. Oh, that's true. I suppose. Except in um, the assassination of Bart Simpson by the coward Robert Twilliger, which is of course my spec script that I'm working on. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember the discussion about that. So I, I like Lisa being jealous of Maggie getting to be the flower girl at the wedding. I think that's a neat little touch. Sure, that's good. I like whenever Lisa gets to be an eight-year-old. It's nice. I like it. Uh. I feel like there's a lot left to say and we've, we're going over time here. So I'll try to move through some things quickly. We can jape on them and have fun. Sure, sure, sure. Let's jape on them. Now, when we see the wedding, we see, uh, we see Bob and we see Selma giving little speeches. The cake has already been served. That yep. seems like poor etiquette to me. You don't do speeches after the cake. I literally emceed a wedding two weeks ago. Yeah. You don't do speeches after cake. No. It's no, ridiculous. It's crazy. I emceed a wedding like a year and a half ago and yeah. it was the same. Yeah. They said, no, should we put the cake out? And I said, sir, sir, please. Sir. Please don't do that. I'm the MC. I'm in control now. Uh, it got really... Um, I'm the master of yeah. cake. I assume that's what MC stands for. Yeah. I, I never checked. You know, I, it really went to my head, to be honest. It took five people to take me down, but, you know. Uh. Eventually, the cake was destroyed. It was awful. I ruined the whole wedding. Oh. I'd rather not talk about that, though. I'd rather talk about The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yes, The Simpsons. No, I said Simpson, not Samson. Uh, no, it's the other way around. But anyway, anyway. It's fine. Selma, in these early seasons, kind of ends up being... Selma. Yes. I feel like <coughs> Patty and Selma end up being kind of like collateral damage. Patty. Patty. And Selma end Especially up being in collateral this, damage. In this season, there's a lot of jokes that amount to like, look at how disgusting these unmarried women are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of a little grosser than I remember it being. Yeah. The way the show is just like critical of these women and the life they're leading. Hey, see how critically unhappy they are? It's probably because they're single. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit gross, isn't it? It's also, um, Homer buys Homer buys them a, a wedding, a, a cassette tape for their wedding. Sure. That's the gift he gives. Another yes. instance of Homer and Marge buying separate gifts for a thing they should be combining on. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, this is becoming an odd recurring theme. Yeah, there's a lot of odd recurring things here. Especially in the context of the, uh, as we discussed in a very early episode, the economic downturn. Economic downturn. Um, You you don't go buying two gifts in the middle of an economic downturn, do you? We don't even find out what Marge bought. We don't know. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking at these notes and looking at the timer and thinking, fuck, I don't want to go too long, but there's some things. I've got three notes that I want to talk about. Okay, okay. I can skip those two. Three I want to talk (laughs) about. Jesus, okay. So I find it interesting... Interesting. ...that in an episode that centres around... MacGyver. 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 Exactly. MacGyver. See, it's fun once you start doing it, isn't it? Um, Bart essentially does his own little MacGyver. He does. He, I never realised this until now, but it's almost like one of those, the thing is commenting on its own form thing, because the way that he pieces together the mystery and figures out, thank you, and figures out what to do to save the person, 
It's quite MacGyver-esque. Bart, who is definitely a genius. Yes. I mean, yeah. we the the rabbi has memo. We've, we've yeah. seen... Mem say in Bart. We've seen that, mem, uh, that, memo, that, that Bart is a genius <laughs> in yeah. the episode called Bart the Genius. Yeah. Uh, that was note number one that I wanted to make. Note number two is um, what are the when, when they get to the crime scene? Am I skipping too far forward? No, now no, for you're you? good. You're good. When they get to the crime scene uh, in the hotel, mm. which I crossed this note out, but I'll go back to it now. Bart mentions it's the best Western hotel. There's a song by a band called uh, Bad Astronaut. The song's called Best Western, and it's about Adelaide, the town in which we live. Beautiful. Anyway, for a um, best Western, this is a very good hotel. Oh, right. It's yeah. an absolute bloody perler. Yes. But we see that they're in Shelbyville because there are Shelbyville Falls, mm. uh, and yet the Springfield police rock up. Yeah. Now, I know that the Simpsons travelled to this hotel to save. Um, Patty Selma Selma Fuck <laughs> Couldn't Honestly couldn't remember Which one it was uh, I know that they They travelled there To say Which by the way Not a very safe option Could have just Phoned ahead To the Shelbyville police um, Or just like Phone the hotel You know Phone the hotel Get the gas cut off But uh, Yeah Springfield police Rock up and do the arrest In Shelbyville Now mm. I don't recall Are Shelbyville And Springfield Different cities Or different States. I think there's different cities within the, within the same state, right? I think so, yes. Right. So, okay, at least the Springfield police would still have jurisdiction because it would be a state-by-state state police force. But still, there are police that can get there sooner hmm. than the Springfield police. What I like about that is... Did, they, did the Simpsons carpool with the cops? <laughs> it's a possibility. That's weird. I like that the cops, like, hide... In the room, so that Bart can have his nice little moment where he reveals that he figured out Bob's <laughs> plan. Like he sits in the chair, so it could be dramatically turned, turned around. around. That's a good. And point. then everyone like bursts out and arrests him. Like they, you know, they don't just wait at the room. Yeah, I, I like the idea that Wigan was like, okay, we'll arrest him as soon as he comes back, and Bart's like. Hang on, boys. Take five. I've got something planned here that's going to be pretty sweet if I could pull it off. Yes, and then he reveals Bob's plan back to him, and it's a very well-plotted plan. This episode, uh, I guess we didn't really say this, but like the plotting and writing of this episode is amazing. It's really fucking good. It's a uh, fucking pearl of an episode. Uh, third note that I wanted to make was um, when Bart is trying to explain the plot to Homer, mm. uh, and he's trying to explain that you know gas burns if you put a flame to it and things like that in a little montage that we mm. get a little um, montage that Bart's doing a voiceover over the top of. Mm. But then we see Homer reading a book that's called Science Made Very Simple. My first thought here was, that's weird. Why didn't they do a For Dummies joke? Because I know the early Simpsons like doing that book thing. So this episode was first aired in April 1992. Sure. The first ever For Dummies book was DOS For Dummies in November 1991. Okay. So... Is it possible that this episode was written and canned before the first Four Dummies book came out? And that's why this is a science made very simple rather than a science for dummies joke, which it almost certainly would have been if this had been recorded a series later. Huh. Probably don't, need, probably don't need to answer that question. <laughs> just a thing, we, I'm, just know, the we, thing we I've we thrown out We think about there. it quietly for a few minutes and then give our responses, I think. Yes, that's the right thing to do at an hour and five minutes into this podcast. I've got a question. A question. And this is like a thing that bothered me this time that I'd never thought about before. Right. So we see Selma and Bob in the um, in the hotel having a good time. Yep. We see Patty is lonely without Selma in the apartment. She comes to visit the Simpsons, hang out with them. Yep. Where were Selma and Bob going to live after they left the hotel? Hmm. Huh. 
Did they like have a house together? Where were they planning on living? Did they put down a deposit somewhere? Or huh. had they maybe signed a lease? Did they have plans beyond this hotel? Were they just going to go and live with Patty? I really don't know. That's never broached. I mean, it's uh, we find out that Selma has a fair bit of money. <clears throat> yes. Because she bought the stocks. That's why Bob is interested in her in the first place. Because she bought stocks in one of the, the houses at the primary school that we attended. Yes, sure. So mm-hmm. she has enough money. Not the money. house that either of us were in. But there's never any mention of what they're going to do. Like, has she already bought a house? Is that part of what she's used the money for? Yeah. Like, what is uh, what is the plan here on Selma's end? We know what Bob's plan is, but mm. Selma doesn't have one, it seems. No, that's... that. Yeah, that's really, really strange. I guess the writers thought, well, it's never going to get to that point in the story, so let's not bother yeah. actually doing anything. Like, as long as a pair of fucking dickheads in Australia don't sit down... Like 25, 26 years later, mm. and just pick apart this episode like vultures at the bones of uh, the bones of our. I can't even think of a good metaphor here. We've been recording for too long. Story corps? Sure, the story corps. Yeah. So, the, yes. Uh, where were they going to live? I don't know. It's unexplained. I don't know. Interesting. Great it's episode, a, though. Great episode of Frasier. Other than that possibly fatal flaw to the story, mm. it is a great episode. Yeah. Great episode of Frasier, did you say? <laughs> yes. Fuck. Doesn't know what to do with that tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Oh, yeah. Colin again. Yeah. Cool. Good night, Seattle. Alright. That's it. Yeah. Bangers. Fucking banger episodes. Yeah, very, very good pairing. Yes. Good reminder that television is good. Yep. And always will be. Yep. Do you want to um, introduce the socials? Introduce the socials? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The thing, the yeah. Uh, we're on Facebook, if you're still using Facebook. Uh... Puzzle in the Key of Springfield, Twitter, Key Springfield. You can email us at Puzz in the Key of Springfield at gmail.com if you want to chat to us or you want to ask us who our guys are, something like that, whatever. Um, thank you for listening, as always. It's been a pleasure. This is the first episode we're going to record today. We're going to do like two others, I think, today. This is a record heavy day. Yes. So this is the most energetic we're going to be for the next month, probably, if you listen to the <laughs> podcast. Uh, thank you, Woozer Wuzzle. And then I go and spoil it all by doing something stupid like explode you in Shelbyville. <laughs> Best Western I'm going to do another one of my little song things, James. Oh, your little song things? Something I thought I should explain, maybe, is that... Because <laughs> I realised I haven't explained this for any of the other little song things, is that uh, for most of the songs that I've done on the podcast so far, it's me looking at the chords for maybe the first time. <laughs> <laughs> this song, I actually know, but I don't really remember because I haven't played it for a while. So, Sure. This is uh, Bag Me Homer by Lurleen Lumpkin. Bag me a homer. Well, the bases were empty on the diamond of my heart when the coach called me up to the plate. I've been swinging and missing and loving and kissing. My average was point double eight. So I spit on the ground, knocked the dirt from my spot. Not a B7 feel. This time I'm hitting the home. 
that was all terrible. <laughs> start again. And I was singing too high as well. Fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the Roadhouse is proud to present <laughs> Nick. Well, the bases were empty on the time of my heart when the coach called me up to the plate. I've been swinging and missing and loving and kissing my average point of eight. So I spit on the ground, not the dirt from my spikes, and pointed out towards center field. This time I'm hitting a home run. This time love is for real. And I'll slide, and I'll steal, and I'll sacrifice love. Slide for you. I've been slumping. I can't play this song today, James. <laughs> I used to play the field. I used to be a robot. The season's turning around for me now. I finally bagged me a homer. I finally bagged me a homer. In Springfield. Uh, Nick, I'm going to have to cut you off there. There seems to be some sort of grinding noise on the track. Brutal. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> what an absolute dog's breakfast of a performance. It's fine. All right. Sorry to everyone that has ears. 